Hello and welcome to another episode of Mr Barton Maths Podcast with me, Craig Barton. Now this is yet another of the conference takeaway podcast episodes where I sit down with a fellow delegate having attended a conference and hopefully share some valuable insights for those people who couldn't attend today. Now back by popular demand is my regular co-host for the conference takeaway, the one, the only, the original Joe Morgan. Hello Joe. Hi Craig. How are you? I'm okay, yes. I conferenced out. March is a busy month for conferences. It and is. And this is the last one for March. Um, but I've had a great day. This is an amazing venue. Um, so we're at well, the university, which just opened in September. Yeah, and so brand new buildings. We're in a library. We're essentially in kind of like a soundproof booth here in this library. Mm. It is is quality. Now, before we dive into it, I've just got to get this out of the way. Listeners, I am knackered. So uh, <laughs> people may know, um, I've had, me and my wife had a little baby, uh, baby Isaac. He's nine weeks old. He's not the best sleeper in the world. So last night I had visions of an amazing sleep. So we went for food, didn't we, Joe? We had some drinks and, and I was in bed. I didn't have any alcohol <laughs> and I was let in bed for nine o'clock. And I, we were meeting for breakfast at half eight, so I thought yeah. I've got about 11 hours sleep. That was a here. long stretch, yeah. And I was laying in bed, and I just could not switch off. I've maybe had six hours sleep. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. So the nonsense I usually talk is only going to be uh, inflamed with this sleep deprivation. But Joe is full of energy, aren't you? <laughs> I'm great. Who <laughs> yeah. will get me through this? Now, before we dive in, Joe, a bit of background here. Why are we here? What, what is this educated North Hans? Because you seem to have got your head around it a bit more than I have. Oh, a little bit. I don't know the details, but I believe believe that the North Hants uh, LEA or perhaps the whole council had some quite serious financial difficulty last year. Um, I, to, to be really simple about it, I think they kind of went bust in yes. a way. And so the um, so the education community across the country wanted to kind of come together to support the local area. So some local teachers set up this huge conference and it is enormous. Mm. So there's like sort of 600 delegates, yes. really, really big conference. Um, and it's, so it's kind of sort of a charity thing in a way where we're trying to sort of support the teachers who will not be getting CPD from uh, the places they should be getting it from because there's no money yes. um, because of mismanagement on the part of the council. Um, so um, yeah, so that, so there's loads of local teachers speaking and then loads of people like you and me who go to lots of conferences. So it's a really, really big event. It is. It's big, big. And it's a flipping big trip as well. And just to confirm, no cash is coming our way. I'm not, I'm not getting like a, a few thousand <laughs> am I when I get home now. Is this a charity thing? Uh, it is a charity thing. And I think it's, um, I think the thing is that it, it feels really nice to sort of come along and uh, and and do this this kind of thing where the it, it, it had to, we should do it everywhere, don't you think? Don't you think we should? Well, don't you think we should be? <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, just, so teachers don't get CPD. True. To provide I mean, cheap, affordable CPD for teachers is important. It is. So, I mean, yes. as you say, six hundred people here. And yeah, it's yeah, huge, it's, it's a yeah. pleasure to be. And lots and lots right. of uh, the thing is, from from a maths teacher. I mean, obviously, I normally go to maths conferences. Yes. This is um, this is a mix here today. Mm. So it's lots of primary. Um, Lots of secondary, um, not a huge amount of secondary maths teachers here. Yes, um, as we found in my session, which there, there weren't many people in. Um, but the um, yeah, so it's a bit different for me to go to a conference that's not secondary maths. Yeah, um, but quite a nice change. I that's think. right. It's kind yeah. of like a re- it's a research ad. Um, yeah, in it's North that kind Hans, of style. Yeah, but it's, I like yeah, it's, yeah. this local Northants teachers presenting. Yeah, really and then, good. Yeah, and, then... and there was like what was that a choir like a, <laughs> a, a, a dramatics? I don't know. It was amazing. There were these this beautiful singing. They were they were singing stuff from the Greatest Showman, which I love. And um, so it's always nice that 
touches today. And it is. The, the education communities come together. It's no, no one's getting paid or anything like that. The cost's low for the delegates and it's been a great day. Yes. So let's reflect on it, Joe. So what did you do session number one? Uh, so I saw um, Charlie Harbour, who um, she is from, oh, is it Hearts Grid for Learning? Do you know oh, them? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes. Hearts yes. for Learning. Um, so they used to be the Hertfordshire LEA, and now they're a charity, and they have 11 on the maths team, so they're maths advisors. Okay. They make lots of resources. They go into schools and support. Um, so there's loads of cool stuff coming from them. I've, I've seen stuff from them before. And she did a session on... Um, cognitive science in primary uh, okay now i don't normally go to primary sessions nope. but i was at a primary conference yesterday so i'm feeling very into the i need to know more about primary okay. kind yes, of thing so yes. um and actually i got a lot from the conference i was at yesterday and then um i went to two primary sessions today and i feel like this was a good thing for me to do and she talked about how um the, the sort of all the cognitive science stuff but teachers primary teachers but i reckon also second teachers are feeling a little bit overloaded at the moment bombarded with ideas which is ironic with cognitive overload isn't it i know is, we are like overloaded it. with cognitive <laughs> overload ideas yeah so the she was talking about how you know teachers feel they need to have the cpa the variation all the language the fluency mm. the assessment it all needs to be in their lessons and and they feel guilty if that stuff's not in their lessons yes, yes. um and then we looked at so we she showed some various strategies and things we can think about we played a card game which was fun Yes. I enjoyed that. Um, she talked about um, some things that really stood out. We um, sentence stems and speaking frames and recording frames. So all these ideas um, for particularly a primary where you don't want um, you don't want the, the lack of sort of writing skills to slow a child's mm. maths progress down. So there's lots of kind of scaffolded writing things, which I think are really interesting for a secondary. I um, saw an interview lesson last week. So a teacher came in for an interview and they were teaching solving equations and they started by talking about the vocabulary, which a lot of us do. Yes. But the thing they did that I haven't seen before was they then had a printout with the key terms, coefficient, um, unknown, variable, yes. that kind of thing. And then they had that, they handed that out so it was on the desk. So the, uh, so the okay. students had it in front of them. And then when the students were answering questions in the lesson, they, it was printed in front of them. So those words were there. Nice. And it meant that they were then, all of them were using the word variable oh, really well. And it was right there on the desk. And that's such an easy strategy. Um, so she was talking a lot about... Um, these kind of uh, ways of scaffolding that kind of vocabulary and it, and it was all all totally relevant to secondary so, so what are some of the ways so sentence stems were there any other kind of practical things that you thought yeah i'll use that um there were things like so yeah she's she, well she talked about this faded scaffolding which we kind of know we know about i suppose where the idea i've got a sheet here which so we can maybe put a picture of this on the okay. podcast notes but it was um it this is a load of addition questions and it's about regrouping but the idea is that the first one um it's got the sum written there it's got the oh she called it a cherry diagram oh yeah you know like where it's got this yeah it's a like part that, yeah. yeah part part whole whatever it is and then and then it's got the sentence where they just, right, yes. they just have to fill in so it says regroup six and five into uh sorry regroup six into five and and there's a blank so you write yes. one there one, yeah got it and then um and then rename the sum so there's basically some blanks you fill in but then as you go down the sheet ah. less and less of it is filled in so there's more for the child to enter themselves and it's basic you know we're, we're kind of used to these ideas but i don't think i see much of it in maths lessons no i don't see many people using this sort of faded scaffolding um and it was it was just interesting there were there were sort of things where she's talking about sort of you know giving giving them the starting points and just having them have to write less down by having these gaps um, but the one that really interested me was about division and it made me realize that I don't understand division Go on. that's a bit of a worry so the question was it was 12 divided by a quarter equals 
and then you had oh, to wow. say to you had to ask children not to be able to say that in the way I've just said it, but to explain what that's asking. So twelve divided by a quarter. Twelve divided. No. I just right, totally, right, I totally missed said that. A half, a half divided by a quarter. A half equals. divided by a quarter. Got it. Okay. okay so a half divided by a quarter equals. Yes. And then the idea is like, what is that asking? Ah, okay. okay. Yes. Yes. Now yes. I was looking at thinking it's asking twelve divided. Uh, sorry, twelve. <laughs> it's like twelve. Um, it's asking a half divided by a quarter. So I'm looking at thinking it's asking half divided by a quarter. Right. And I'm thinking I suppose it's asking how many quarters go into a half. That's my instinct. That's yes. My so instinct. that's what yes. we'd say. Yes. Um, now then she sort of took it back and said, well, let's actually look at an easier example. Twelve divided by three equals four. This is I keep saying number yeah, 12 yeah, yeah. there you go 12 divided by 3 equals 4 and then there's two ways to look at that okay. and what's really interesting is that my daughter is doing division at the moment she's in year 2 and if you give my daughter 12 divided by 3 she draws three circles right and she puts 12 oh, dots wow. so that's what she's been taught to do now what she's doing there is sharing, right? Okay, or so is she grouping? There's, there's two things, and I didn't know there was a oh, difference. Oh, wow, no, neither okay. do I. Okay. So what she's doing is, yeah, she's she's um, sharing. So, so she's got three blank she, circles, she draw, and it's like a, a dot in one, dot in dot one, one, dot yeah, in one. Yeah, until she's ex- until used all her 12 dots, it, yeah. and then she says, oh, look, there's four dots in each circle. Got so it. what she's doing is sharing. Yep. So that is taking 12 and dividing it into three equal groups, how many go into each group. Got it. The other way of looking at it is grouping. Oh, God, go on. 12 divided by 3 how many groups of three can I take from 12? So we're not drawing three circles. We're taking groups of three out of 12 and we can get four groups of three. And it's such a subtle difference, but not being a primary teacher and not teaching at this kind of level, I'm like, I didn't even think of that. And now it makes sense that when I work with my daughter and she draws, I have sometimes been wording it wrong. Because I've said to her, well, you know, how many threes go into 12? Yes, yeah, But that's yeah. not how she's been taught. She's been taught to see, to draw three circles, which is not how many threes go into 12. And was, what, what was the, is one better than the other? Or does no, one come so, before the uh, other? Or? Now, the relevance was that when we talk about a half divided by a quarter, yeah. only one of those ideas helps us make sense of that. So if we say, oh. if I share a half into a quarter equal groups, yeah, that different. makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how many groups of a quarter can I take from a half ah, does make sense. Okay. So the grouping way made more sense there. Um, anyway, this was wow, this was fascinating to me because I didn't know. I was like, well, I don't know enough about this and I've never thought about this. We'll take, we'll take a picture of that. We'll put that yeah, in the podcast Yeah, it was notes. really interesting. Um, the, uh, the final thing that I should mention from that session, there was loads of stuff. It was really good. It sounds very um, good. She, it was on multiple methods. Now, now, given that I am like all about the methods, I spoke about methods method. today. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was really interesting. She showed a sheet, and you put a, a question in the middle, some calculation, and then around the edge, there's four sections where the children can use four different methods to work that out. Okay. Now, again, this works very well in primary, where they've got kind of methods where they're drawing jottings out, or they're doing. You know, there's like, for example, if I give my daughter an addition question to do, sometimes she'll draw jottings, which are lines and dots. Um, jottings, yeah. yeah. Is that a thing? That's, that's, I have no idea. You, I don't know if all primaries say that, but my daughter's primary tell her to draw jottings. Give me an example. So well, a 10 is a line and a, one, and a 1 is a dot. So if she's drawing uh, 12, she'll draw um, one line and two dots. And then if she's adding on 15, she'll draw another line and five dots. And then she just sees how many lines. It's like... it's like. Um, had you seen that before your daughter did it? No, I've never heard of that No, I life. didn't know anything about anything to do with primary maths before my children started wow. doing it. So okay, I'm, learning, I'm learning a lot. What's it's, 100? Does it not come to I, I'm sure, I reckon that might be a square or something. It's it a bit a like the um, I don't know what I don't know what manipulatives are called, but you know those things, those things <laughs> yeah, you use. Yeah, yeah, like the algebra um, tiles or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, so I don't okay. know. I haven't seen her do a hundred yet. Um, but anyway, this says the methods on this sheet that I've been given. It says compensation, regrouping, place value, 
in a different way, which suggests okay. that the child might have their own way of doing it. Okay. And the idea is they give them this question and the child sort of shows the different ways of doing it. And then the question at the bottom says, the most efficient or appropriate strategy ah. for this calculation is... And because so if for example it was adding um, two two digit numbers my daughter has recently learned column addition yes and so that would be the most efficient way of yes, doing it yes, as opposed yes. to all the jottings if they were big numbers so yeah and it's just quite a nice idea because I'm thinking I, like I sh- uh, the, the, the thing is though at secondary I don't think we necessarily teach multiple methods for one thing no. so we might say I'm gonna teach equation solving by bar modeling um, and then I suppose we might then say, I'm also going to do it by inverse operations, and maybe they can choose between those. But yes. for most things, we don't have this kind of multiple... I suppose we have representations, though. I'll tell you what strikes me about this as well, and I, I always say this, I don't know about you, Joe. you could not pay me to be a primary teacher because they're doing this for maths. They're doing the same oh, for I English know. and all the other That's stuff. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible, impressive. isn't it? Yeah, right? it is. It is. I, don't know, I don't know how they do it. No. Um, it's not... Um, it feel, I think they think we do the hard maths, but I think they could learn that. But yeah, I don't we, think no, I could learn we, to do what they do. I would do. tell you, we've easier job. I will tell you now, yeah, we've easier absolutely. Job. And you know, I'd say that behaviour can be, say, really tough in year nine, for example. In, mm. in so some some of our behaviour we do, if they go through puberty, that is really yes. tough. But actually. I find it that, you know, year 11s, particularly year 12, they're, they're like little adults, you know, sure, I can, sure, I can sure. reason with yeah, them. Yeah. I don't, some of these, no, you, should, you. you should see the little boys running around at the, the, the five-year-old parties I take my daughter to. They are out of control. I don't know yeah, how I could no, have them in my classroom. No. I suppose you learn how to do it and I suppose every, every but you know, it's interesting because behaviour issues are, I think, um, just as bad in primary that's and secondary. That's interesting, yeah. Or just as much as a, a difficult thing to handle. Um, and certainly the, um, the, they teach the real fundamental maths they have to explain what a number is we, well, that's to, well that was when i interviewed helen williams for for the podcast i'd, I'd never known anything like it she yeah. was like the number three like it can mean like about 10 different yeah. things like, yeah. what, what, what's going on here yeah. no i've yeah you'll, you'll know this so when when you're when little isaac grows up this is what you'll notice this is this is bizarre if i'm still alive in this <laughs> project because it's not looking good at the moment but you'll be sleeping soon so like say they want to add um two and three then or, or it's all they count on have you heard you know this oh, they, no, no, they start counting from the beginning, from the beginning again beginning. yeah so this, if, yes. if they've got sort of three fingers and you say put up another two then they won't say oh they won't start from three and say four oh, five gosh. they start from the beginning again and and so my four-year-old is is still doing that and i think my seven-year-old i think she just stopped at some point and it wasn't like i you know i, I used to say to her don't start yes. from there. You already know yes, how many yes, fingers yes, you've yes. got there. Like, say she's holding up one hand with five fingers and she puts up two on the other. She'll start counting those five. Oh, I'm like, wow, you know annoying. you've got five there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what uh, reception teachers, that's their life, is oh. dealing with that. That's really hard. Yes. Um, we don't have to do that. <laughs> like, it's so fundamental. And, like, so all those really deep problems are sorted by the time they get to yes. prim- uh, secondary, yes. mostly. So, wow. yes. It's, I think primary sessions are fascinating. I'll tell you what, that sounds a dead interesting. It was really so that, good, Just yeah. give me the name of the, the session leader again. So it was Charlie Harbour, and she's from the Hearts, um, Hearts Learning. Yeah. Yeah, and they um, and it was called Cognitive Science and Primary Maths: Making the Most of the Research. Wow, really that good session. That was a brilliant session. Yeah, it was brilliant. So um, I'll talk about my my session one. So I went to see uh, Christine Council. Now, um, Christine, oh. very highly regarded um, head teacher and, mm-hmm. and leader, and I've been lucky enough to see her uh, once before when I was at the Festival of Education, and I reflected on her session uh, with Chris Bolton in the conference takeaway. <laughs> now, the thing about that session, and this was when I wasn't sleep deprived, <laughs> I was struggling to. I was struggling to follow it not because it was a bad 
session, but because it was over my head. Some of, I mean, she is super, super, super smart. So um, on however many uh, lack of hours sleep I've had tonight, I was I was going in there apprehensive, but I sat next to Andrew Percival, um, who a uh, friend of the podcast, he's uh, contributed to both the Slice of Advice. So I said to Andrew, you're going to have to help me through this if, if I'm struggling, but fingers crossed I was all right. So I'm going to give you a, a few little facts here, Joe. Mm. So the session was called, what do school leaders need to know about knowledge? And it was in the knowledge strand of oh, this yeah. conference. So a couple, couple of things that uh, we, we've talked about on the podcast before. Knowledge is needed for creativity. Um, so you can't be creative without that knowledge. And I like this. Knowledge frees up the mind to be creative. It gives you that space to be creative. Yep. I enjoyed okay. that bit. Uh, she talks about a book that um, sounds like it's an essential read. Have you, have you read this one? Michael Young's Knowledge and the Future School. I've never heard that one. No, okay. neither right. had I. Neither okay. had I. Well, it turns out nobody had it. Oh. Um, I, I think Andrew, like a class SWAT, he'd read it or something <laughs> like that. But yeah. And so again, it was really interesting. It was saying that knowledge, the knowledge students need is technical. It's not the same as the language at home. Every child needs this, not the high attainers. And the knowledge is provisional and revisable. It gives students the tools for change. Now, my problem I always have when I go to these knowledge sessions is I always think to myself, Maths, I don't think we, I, don't, I think we've talked about this before, I don't think we have the, the, as much choice as, say, English teachers or history teachers do about what we teach. We don't have as much yeah. control over the curriculum. Do, 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 you, do you feel this? Yeah, I think a lot of the knowledge debate, well, to some extent, I think it doesn't apply to maths in the same way it does to other subjects, because mm -hmm. you're right. We, we follow a national curriculum that's totally prescribed, and, and we have, there are things, there are facts our students need to know, they need to be able to apply those facts, and yes. it's, it's a bit less... Uh, I, I I don't know enough about the other curriculums, mm. but I believe that there's yeah there's there's kind of different routes they can I mean, go down. We can't down. choose what book to study in English for as, a, as like a daft example. Yeah. We, we can't do that, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah, um, so again, I was thinking, is this going to be relevant? But then she started talking about something that that really pricked my ears up. Now, what about this? prototype theory are you into this i've not heard of prototype neither had i so prototype theory by i hope i'm saying this name right rosh r-o-s-c-h so we're going to play a game here joe right so i'm going to say a word you're going to tell me what you think of you're going to okay. no no not at all no no not at all <laughs> bird what are you picturing there what am i picturing yeah, or, yeah. or a connected word no no what what when i say bird what's going on in your head what do you see i'm picturing this like cute, i'm tw i'm picturing you know how sad this is i'm picturing the twitter bird okay what is wrong with me that says a lot about me doesn't it Whoa. now crucially what you're not doing you're not thinking of a definition of a bird what you're no, thinking it's a of, picture, yeah. Uh, you're thinking of prototypes of birds. So you've got your Twitter bird. If right. I said you think of another, maybe you've got a magpie, yeah, spout, yeah. all these kind of common birds. Right. Um, let's go a bit bit more kind of abstract. Parliament. What do you what do you see? The building. Yeah, buildings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, a couple more. Viking. <laughs> I got a guy in a hat. Yeah, yeah with the horns <laughs> on the go. Let's and now this will be an interesting one. Institution. What do you see there? So um I actually thought of a school, or, yeah. and then it changed into a prison. Okay, Inter <laughs> now, interesting. Now, Christine's point, I think, and I hope I've got this, this right. So, teaching definitions is quite difficult to do. Yeah. And your knowledge of all these, these prototypes you've got, are all... Um, that they come about because of your knowledge and because of your experience. Mm -hmm. So if I was trying to teach you about institutions, we could start with schools and so on. But yeah. if I said to you, if I prompted you, you'd, you'd hope maybe even say like the royal family might yeah. be an institution or okay. marriage might be an institution. Wow. So when we have this word institution mm -hmm. that can have all these kind of several different meanings, if the child doesn't have this knowledge and this bank of these prototypes, mm -hmm. it's very hard for them to pick the correct meaning in all the different different times that times this comes up. And this got me thinking about 
two things to do with maths really. The first is, and I've talked about this before, maths we've got lots of words that mean different things in different subjects mm -hmm. so like similar is a bad one yes in maths. that's, that's um, a good one yeah frequency is another bad one yeah. if you've come from a science lesson yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Wait, and all that kind of thing. oh evaluate the other day i asked my students yes. what it meant and they said because they think of that in english as being a writer Absolutely. some kind of comparative paragraph yes and it was interesting i'm doing um i'm doing a sequence of pod, a podcast with aqa i'll plug these at another time but i've been interviewing examiners about that and that evaluate is a key command word across all subjects right. That, that could be used but in maths it does seem to have a subtly different meaning yeah, doesn't yeah. it um so yeah so it got me thinking about language in maths and how we need to build up these these this bank of prototypes that our kids have but then crucially it's the classic examples and non-examples thing mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing having these bank of things that work but unless you've got these bank of things that don't work mm -hmm. that you can contrast them with then, then you run into problems. So that's why, and we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but that's why on my variation theory website, when I introduce a concept such as frequency or polygon or something like that, I'll never go near a definition. And it's always, this is what one is. I'm going to change one thing. Is it still that or is it now no longer it? And I think that's how students start to understand these things a bit better. Yeah, I remember, I think it was Danny Quinn once at a conference talking about prime numbers. And if you give them that really wordy definition or even, and it's, it's not that, oh, complex yeah, yeah. but when you say um it's a number that has um exactly two unique factors yes. or whatever it is yes. you say it's actually makes a lot more sense to just show examples absolutely yeah. examples and non-examples absolutely because the definitions have some built-in inherent knowledge mm -hmm. and you end up having to define the definition and yeah. it's, it's yeah. Bit of a nightmare. Yeah. so yeah it was it was a fascinating session and i think i've come out of it more knowledgeable anyway, Very good. so i was happy about that good. now i'll just uh, <laughs> session two i was sat waiting for john hutchkinson and um, who i'm a big big fan of I've, I've seen him once before but i think he's ill so oh, he dear. didn't turn up so then i went to my neck there I, I just gambled went into another session and that presented internal oh. so then i was annoyed so i just did some work uh, so i didn't okay. see anyone session two uh, what did you do Jeff? so i stayed in the primary maths uh, uh, room and I saw um, Nikki Moxer who is a maths lead at a junior school and doing the mastery program with the NCTM oh, okay. and she yes. was talking about teaching for mastery again I knew it would be primary focused but I'm, I'm keen to learn about things that yes. go on in primary um, she um, there were some things she said that were really interesting like she talked about it was funny because she talked about how doing five weeks of fractions and, and and we know from secondary that when the suggestion came that we would start doing half a term on one thing mm. everyone was a bit like oh I can't do five yeah. weeks of fractions um, but what's really interesting is and again I'm going to mention my daughter here she she's in year seven and she was doing division or sharing a couple of weeks ago and then I, she came home from school one day and I said oh what are you doing in maths at the moment and I said oh sorry I know what you're doing in maths and division she's like no mummy we're not doing that anymore oh. and they're doing um, a bit of geometry now okay. and, and it seems that my daughter is is changing topic every week and I think that's really weird and I'm actually my daughter's school were great I think their maths teaching is great but it, it is interesting that she is jumping around topics a do you lot. Do not scheme the following? Like no I don't up? know no I mean they do they they seem to be quite um, up with the latest mastery stuff right, okay. <laughs> whatever that means but they're doing I don't know apart from the jottings which I'm not sure yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they sure. do um, they uh, the, I think the maths teaching seems seems great to me but then I, I genuinely love my daughter's primary school I think they're fantastic but yeah yeah, she does seem to jump from topic to topic when I know that she has definitely not mastered yes, the topic yes, she was yes, doing okay. last week. So she's, so it must be very light touch on these topics, which is how a lot of secondary teaching used to look mm. and probably still does look. Yes, yes. Um, so that was interesting that, you know, it's, uh, that, that some secondaries are, sorry, some primaries are now doing these longer chunks. And in fact, um, the session leader, Nikki, she showed us an example of one of her lessons 
And it was from this enormous um, series of lessons on um, multiplication and division. Yes. Shisha. So, so um, it was it was it was really good because she showed us an example of one of her lessons, and I think that's such a helpful thing oh, for in a session it. to actually see this is what it looks like in the classroom. Oh, well, she she was pro these big chunks, was she? As opposed um, to yeah, out. I mean, yeah. she's all. About, I mean, she yeah, she absolutely was, and she was talking about the conflict in the um, and this is a conflict that we have at secondary as well. There's too much curriculum content, and yet we're being told to do everything in depth like it makes no sense so we know that good practice obviously is to teach things properly yes. and not rush through them but yet we've got all this too much curriculum and it's and so we've got too much to get through and that conflict is impossible for us yes. to get right yes. so um she talked about that and it's the same in primary as it is in secondary um she um there were some things in the session. So again, she talked about sentence stems, which I'd seen in the first session. Um, and she sort of talked about sort of, I don't know, chanting. So what is the difference between seven and 12? The children say back, the difference between seven and 12 is uh, five. Right. So yes. they say they say these things. There's lots of this kind of, um, you know, not allowing them to ever answer a question without the word because. Oh, okay. um, when she gets them to share in a, in a pair, uh, talk about how to solve a problem when they come back um, to discuss as a class instead of saying who has a good explanation and then a child with a good explanation will put their hand up she says who heard a good explanation and oh. it means the person that was in the pair with them can put up their hand and say well, well my partner's oh. explanation yeah, was really good yeah, and this yeah. is what they said so th she talked a bit about language and, and that was really interesting it was in there's something there was one thing like I mean, I carrying and exchanging. You know, you know, it's not cool to say carry anymore. You have to say exchange, wow. and and it worries me because I think that they they come to me in year seven, and I and and I don't I don't do much teaching. Next year I'm teaching year seven, um, but I don't do much key stage three teaching. But I probably say carry. Well, I tell you what's coming through from this for me. I mean, one is there's the language thing. I mean, I, I say carrying, but also like we know transitions a problem for kids. Like what a contrast that is going to be like imagine a child's been doing that for yeah. you know four five six years or whatever yeah and then they come into year seven i don't know many year seven lessons that look like that right no and it's going to be like yeah and they've got all the other stuff going on moving to a new school new environment all that anxiety and then the lessons are probably completely different and i'm not saying one's right or one's wrong but yeah. what i certainly am saying there is a big big difference to the way maths is taught right there is and i think there's even a difference like the fact that i don't like them leaving their seats from a behavior management perspective but well i know that in primary schools they kind of wander around the classroom a lot more to go oh, and get right, equipment okay, and yes. stuff like that so there's all these all these little differences um the way that you want them to lay out their work in the books will be different from primary school the way that they answer questions yes. and what's really interesting as well is that some of them now will have done a good few years of bar modeling at primary school mm. and might go to a secondary that doesn't do it at oh, all yeah, some yeah. secondaries do some secondaries don't um so yeah it's all a bit it's all we know it's disjointed and it's always been a problem yes. um, and that's a hard one I mean the maths hubs are working on year five to eight continuity yes, yes. Um, but again it's kind of slow progress on that but yeah work is being done on it she talked about rolling numbers which I already know about well, you just remind me about these uh, well like I'm not going to do the it's like a you have to sort of wrap or sort well, of if the crowd are demanding <laughs> well no, so um, the, the way it works and I've seen I've shared on my blog video a video of Naveen doing yes. rolling numbers so it's something they do at primary and secondary and it's um, you learn your times tables or you recite them by kind of doing this little song slash rap thing and it's and I don't know any of the words so I can't do it right now but she said if you go to the two mile ash website it's got all the lyrics but it's not their lyrics you know it's ah, not okay. because I mean Bruno's had them on his yes. website for a long time but um 
the it was quite nice because she showed a video of some kids doing it and it is lovely and it, it you know they're doing their timetables they're using their fingers and they do them in order um but it's uh, you know given that i've got a daughter who is starting to learn timetables i love strategies like give that give us that website one more time um so the, the the primary school that happens to have them all listed on their website is two mile ash two website. like the number two number two mile ash it's obviously it. a primary school but got she it. um but that's not yeah it's not it's not their it's not their idea um and then um but she also talked about timetable rock stars and stuff like that and you know mentioned they sort of don't these uh primary sessions they don't want to mention the timetable tests that are coming in in year four because they don't want to sort of suggest we're teaching to the test but if they're talking about timetables they do always say and we need to be a bit more kind of Of on this now um but yeah again it was um there was lots of nice things in that session, um, and yeah, I, I, the the thing about the there was she gave a list of words like carry and nothing. You're not allowed to say nothing; you have to say zero. Or you can't say equals; you have to say is equal to. Oh wow! So there was this whole list of words that we should try and stop saying. And it's you know I'm very aware of some of those things in secondary. Like you know, I, there's there's someone on Twitter that tells me off whenever I say the word cancel. Yes, um, and, and, I, and I get that. Um, but there's lots of things that we all just say as standard. And in fact, it was funny because in my session later, I was. I was talking about um, taking out. I was meant to be. I was meant to be talking about dividing by numbers, and I was saying take that out. Like you know uh, when you're yes. factorising yeah, 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 and you yeah, take yeah. something yep. out to the yep. front. I mean, yep. What is that? Take out. Yeah, I say that yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Me too. So me my too. my language, could, uh, my formal mathematical language, could definitely be improved. But yeah, so that well, was that, that sounds, was that was a lovely session. Yeah, yeah. that does sound um, yeah, it sounds absolutely fascinating. I saw as well um, on your Twitter feed, you shared a photo. I assume it's from one of those first two sessions about the um, facts. Uh, yeah, they have to know by the end of year two. Yeah, it was. Yeah, maybe we'll try and include that in the show notes yeah, as well. Because that was a that's, really interesting apparently diagram. that's from the NECTM website. Um, my daughter, who's coming up to the end of year two, definitely doesn't know yeah, that stuff. So I was looking at that thinking, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. If you send that to me, we'll we'll get that in the show notes okay, as well. I thought, yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Right, I'll talk about my third session I went to. So now. I went to, <laughs> I've been practicing this, Ollie Kavigi. Oh, no. Oh, Craig. <laughs> oh, no. Kavigi. Oh, jeez. That's the sleep. Sorry, Ollie. Kavigioli. Kavigioli. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. So, um, now, Ollie uh, spoke at Research Ed Blackpool last week, yeah. and you'll have heard me and Simon Cox talk about that. Simon described it. He went to see him as one of the best sessions he'd ever seen. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. So, uh, I thought, I've got to go and see him for two reasons. One, because of that, and two, he's going to come on the podcast because yeah. he's, got, he's got his book coming out. So, um, Listen back to Simon, because Simon gives you a very, very good summary of it. But I'm just going to pick out a, a few things that I thought were interesting. I'm going to, again, as I always try to do, Joe, I'm going to bring you into play here. Okay. So it's about dual, dual coding. Yeah. And the, the essence was that people learn better from graphics and words than words alone. Yep. Which seems to me to be to be sensible. Yeah. Um, and it was all about integrating these words and graphics kind of more. So it's it, the information's more accessible and it makes more sense and kind of promoting better arrangement and structuring of information in, in long term memory. Um, he talked about words alone suffer from the transient information effect where you just say something and it just it just yeah. it just it just goes. Um, and where it, whereas if we can present it with words and images, we get the best of both worlds. And Paul Kirshner calls it double-barreled learning. You essentially have two ways of that information coming mm-hmm. at you, both of which complement each other, which I thought was quite nice. Um, right. So here are things that help students learn. Mm-hmm. So first, graphics organisers, which I haven't got vast experience no. of. Um, and I, I spoke to Ollie afterwards and I said, one of the things I want to dig into in the podcast is which of these work best for maths. Yeah. And I'm fascinated yeah. by that. Mm-hmm. Um, drawing helps students learn. 
Now, I've seen my kids drawing some things in lessons that don't contribute to learning. <laughs> don't contribute to learning. So again, I want to dig a bit more into that yeah. because Ollie's very much the process of drawing things out. Mm. Again, um, very good for learning. Now, this is the one that interested me. Tracing worked examples. Tracing. Now, yeah. Now, I think by tracing, I, I don't want to put words in Ollie's mouth, but I think he essentially means copy, maybe copying down, like literally re- okay, reproducing right. what's on the board. Okay, yeah. And obviously, we, we, we do a fair bit of this. And he, and he said that's got to be coupled with the teacher describing what they're doing and so on and so right, forth. Now, so I'd separate it. I would have the, I do my silent teacher bit first, uh-huh. then the narration, and then the kids copy down. But yeah, I, I'm just fascinated how all this fits in with some of the things that, that, that I do now. I think it's interesting that um, for years when I was teaching A-level I would say to them I'm going to I'm going to go through an example now take notes if you like and then some yes. of them are writing when I'm and yes. are they actually listening and I think when I and even when I'm in conference sessions I'm often taking notes while yep. the speaker's speaking yes. and, I de- and that's probably not ideal yeah I do exactly um, the same yeah so I don't know I don't know there's there's obviously a, an issue there but you know you go to any university in the country and look at a lecture full of students and, and they will the be writing masses. as yeah it's fascinating this one thing I'm a bit obsessed with at the moment is what happens when kids are copying things down because I think it's a missed opportunity, this this mm-hmm. copying stuff down. Because, for one, if ki- as you say, if kids are copying whilst they're trying to listen, you're, you're asking for a bit of trouble. Yeah. And I used to have, I used to be talking, I used to be writing, and the kids were copying stuff down. It was just an absolute yeah. car crash. Yeah. Um, but also, very rarely do I see copying down done in silence. It tends to be mm-hmm. the kids, like, just a bit of, like, low-level noise or the teachers talking or discussions are going on. So the kids' attention isn't directed to the copying. And I just think that's a missed opportunity because when you're copying down, you have a chance to kind of think about how does that line lead on to this line and so on and so forth. I don't see a lot of silent copying. I don't, I, do, do you? Like, do, do you insist the kids copy in silence? No, and if I, I'm not very... I don't... Oh, this is So if I, I... I'm not very good at, at getting them to write down a worked example so I will say listen while I listen and watch while I do this then I'll leave it on the board and they'll do their one so whereas I know a lot of teachers will say right now copy copy that one down so you've got a good example in your book but actually I think as long as it's on the board when they're doing their one then they can look up at mine if they need to and then obviously their first question they've tried hopefully will be yes will be the right will be their their example in the book, but no, I'm 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 rubbish at it. I'm just I'm you know I, I go through my one, then I get them working, yeah. and I and I don't I think I don't like to give the instruction copy this down. Um, I don't know because I I find it diff- I don't know whether that's valuable time of the copying yes. bit because um, there are some kids who write really slowly yeah, and I just absolutely. I just want them practicing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm yeah. With you so there. I'm a bit I'm a bit unsure about. I know that it's something I don't do, and I don't know whether I need to change that. That's don't interesting. Know. Um, and then what about this? Let's let's end with this bit. For this and um, some guidelines for teachers right i'm going to give you well, i'm going to give you five guidelines here joe that you need to be doing in right. your lessons okay right? so how many of these are you doing so first off when you get your powerpoints cut it down the vast majority of slides have too much information now we, we see this when we do our test panel test panel oh, reviews, yeah, right yeah. like you just get powerpoints rammed yeah. with stuff ollie says the, the single kind of most effective thing a teacher can do Cut it down for a start. Oh, no, okay. this is this is my. I'm great at this. Okay. So my powerpoints are white background, um, black text, and, and like one question in the middle, and, and nothing else. Right. The rest that's, is me talking to it. That's so, good. But, yep. Okay, so you do number one, big tick for you there. Yep. Are you doing number two though? Chunking it up. I don't, know, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you putting things together that go together, and therefore directing kids' attention to the connections? So, or 
like me sometimes, I've got kind of, you know, an arrow going here, a bit going there and so on. But Ollie showed, and you can download um, all Ollie's PowerPoints um, mm. from his website and they are, they're like works of art. I bet, yeah. He has like, just like boxes around things that are related. So the right. student's attention is drawn to a group, not just like random things. And right. just all these subtle things that just, yeah. So chunking it up, putting things together that go together. Yeah. Therefore, you're, you're helping students create meaning and helping them organize their long-term memories. Right. So I thought that was quite nice. Yeah. Now, what about this? line it up right <laughs> so he said um he uses for all his powerpoints he has a grid on the background and he makes sure that all his text starts at the same time oh, okay. all the boxes do and he says that people try to be artistic they think are oh, random things yeah. here and there. it looks fancy yeah but it's it's so much harder for students to process and yeah. again he showed examples yeah same information one lined up and one kind of all over show and it was made a huge huge difference yeah and actually there's a there's a tip for if you're um, if you're making, say you're putting equations, and I mean, I, God, we see some we, we see some terrible stuff where you know if you're gonna if you're gonna put equations into a PowerPoint for a start, you you just do alt equals and you're in equation yeah, editor. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't even know that you have to do insert equation. That's a good little tip. And then, that yeah, alt and, equals, yeah, and then, and then you can actually type equations without having to use the mouse at all. So like, if you do want to do um, a fraction and you're in equation mode and you do like eighteen over three, right. you just do eighteen slash three and do oh, and do a space. Straight. It puts it into that for you. Say that again. So if I want to do a fraction i'm in equation mode yes yeah, so say you want to do um let's say you want to do x over two yes please so first of all we do um alt equals to be in equation mode then we type x slash two space and it will put it into oh, a fraction wow. and then if i want to do x squared i'll type x and that little, little you know that little thing, thing yeah, yeah the hat x hat two space and it will make the that space is the, key the space it. is the thing ah. yeah and the thing is that um and but the other thing is that if you are going to if the, the thing that's bad about equation editor is it doesn't line up equal signs yeah, very correct. well like that. But if you just put it, if you just do insert um, table and then you use ah, a table, yes, then yes, and yes. each line can easily be lined up with the equal signs in the right place. You could have been running this session <laughs> with these kind of these kind of tips. That is that is great. Um, Tip number four, restraint. Right. One typeface only and reduce the colour. You should never oh, have yeah. more than four colours. Okay, yes, okay. I'm, I'm all over that. And again, if yeah. you look at Ollie's PowerPoints, um, they're absolutely beautiful. It's like a black, it's white background and black, but then he has like red speech bubbles yeah. with white text. It's just, yeah. it just looks, looks I'm beautiful. really into that. And actually I go through like, I go through phases of different colours, but I'm very much about black and red. And um, I'm also very aware of colour blind and yeah. I don't do ever anything where I've, I've highlighted the X's in red and the yes. Y's in green because they can't tell. That, but yeah. um, but the, um, I once wrote a CPD session, sent it off for, this was for NQTs in Harris, and I sent it off to the people that run the NQT thing, and they put it onto the Harris slides, which was had a, a background behind everything. Oh, like, no. it had all these, like, yeah, um, circles everywhere. Yeah, and it's like, can we not have, I had nice plain background slides, and they yes. added all this stuff. They added, like, hashtags at the bottom yes. and everything. It's like, I don't want that. Yeah, so I think nicer, minimalist, minimalist slides are important. And final one, what about this, right? I thought that this, this was fascinating, I thought. So, making text easier to read. So first thing, avoid long, as in width-wise, yeah. um, pages and sentences because as you're reading along and then you have to switch back, so yeah, you get okay, to the end of one line and yeah. switch back, it, that switch is quite hard yeah. if, it, if it's long. Yeah. Um, and the worst practice you can do is centred text. Yeah, okay, is, yeah, I see again, that, yeah. Because you, you don't have that consistency yeah. of the lines. And so just little things like that. I just thought, I, I like stuff like that because... 
aside from it doesn't it doesn't affect how you teach or anything like that it's just like practical things for how what slides look like yeah. and, and worksheets look like of, and stuff um, it's not important but you sort of think well, you want the student to think well this looks professional oh, and yeah. I, I suppose they're not thinking the word professional but, but I think it is important yeah. though, right? like I always think my, my phrase here is for, for most kids, it might not make a world of difference. But yeah. if you're a child who's on the cusp of getting something, it could go either way. These little tweaks might just make that difference. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I've got three questions for Ollie for the podcast that mm-hmm. I'm going to be putting to him. Number one, how relevant is this stuff to maths? Yeah. So that's that's the biggie for me. Um, number two, what happens if the student's really bad at drawing like me? Because yeah. my drawings, I can't even tell what they are, and I've just drawn the thing. <laughs> so I don't know how those images are going to help me. And crucially, can you train yourself to get better at this stuff? Like yeah. is, if you're not artistic, like I said, Ollie, we, we've seen his drawings. They're absolutely oh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to I get to the bottom of but So I'm, I'm looking forward to having, having him on this show anyway. So that was that. That sounds but, great. Me going to that meant I couldn't come to see you, Joe. But yeah. we, we, we fell out about it. But you, you're over it now. So, um, but you were going to tell me uh, what you were talking about. Yeah. So I did a session on um, methods. I mean, which first is... off, you were fuming because the primary teachers left. Right? Oh, so. it, was such a, it was. It was just a bit uh, a bit embarrassing because they, 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 it was funny because I had a do now. I had a which I've started calling it do now since I joined Harris. I had my starter on oh, the desk. Mark um, me, I, I know he won't like that. So and my and it was four questions, including like factorize this non-monic quadratic. So nice. you know they were very clearly secondary. Yes. Um, so yeah, a few people sitting down. I don't know if they hadn't spotted it, but I said at the beginning, by the way, this is secondary, and they all kind of walked out um, because. Well, I know there's no, um, you know, I wasn't talking about. Um, I, I didn't talk so much about how we decide which methods to use. Yes. I did have a little bit on that, but yes. not in detail. But actually, I was saying for these four topics, here are a load of methods. So yes. totally not relevant to primary. Yes. And my topics were highest common factor, um, linear graphs, linear sequences, and non-monic quadratics, how to factorise them. Got it. Um, and for, you know, for highest common factor, there are, I, I reckon there's about 10 quite, wow. quite widely used methods well, give us a flavour. Um, well, you've got so so to find the highest common factor of two numbers, you could list all the factors. You know, that's yep, the classic. and to me that is the it's it's time consuming for big numbers, but it is the most conceptually clear way. Yes, like I it, agree. it's I absolutely agree. crystal clear what's going on there. Um, a lot of teachers do a prime factorization and then use those in various oh, different ways. Wow, so okay, a, lot, yes. a lot of teachers will use a, a prime factor tree. So that so there's kind of multiple steps here. You yes. need to do the prime factor tree, which which generally even your weakest foundation students they are pretty love, good they at. Love a tree. Yeah, they do. And then um, then some teachers will just then line up those prime factors and look at what's in common in the two lists. All oh, right, okay. And um, others will do a Venn diagram, yes. and that's very common. And that's yeah. the way I was taught in my PGC. Me my too. mentor said to me, "That's how it's done." And yeah, I just said, that's, "That's that's that." So I did that for years. Um, when I taught at a the first school I taught in, I've been there a few years when the um, one of my colleagues just happened to show me that some of the teachers at school were doing a, a different method, right. which I'm calling now. I'm calling it the ladder method now, um, or repeated division. Okay. Um, and it's and, and it's it doesn't involve primes though it can do. Right. So let's say I want to find um, the highest common factor of um, ninety and twenty-seven. Then yep. instead of breaking down 90 and 27 into primes, yes. I can just say right, what number goes into 90 and 27? So I could okay. say nine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to. I could say three. Yeah. And then and then you you divide by that nine and you get ten and 
three yes and then we're just and then if we can keep going we do uh, at that point we can't keep going in this example yeah, but in yeah, some yeah. examples we might have five steps yes. and then some examples we might be able to do it in one like uh, i did there got it, got um it. anyway I, I mean it's, it's hard to explain without no, no, showing you it. but there's like you do it in the grid and and the, the bit that's lovely is the lowest common multiple falls out really nicely and it's very oh. easy to remember whereas with the venn diagrams a lot of students get the highest common factor because the intersection and then they say can't remember how to get the lowest common yes. multiple whereas this method i think is quicker and I love efficiency. Like I'm a big fan of efficient maths uh, methods. And it also, they don't forget that last step so okay. much. I also showed the Euclidean algorithm, which is great fun. And that's a way of finding highest common factor just by subtraction, oh, which is God. really fun. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, there's, there's, loads, there's loads going on there. I also showed examples of my students' work and times where they had used the ladder method I taught them, which I think is a great method. And they hadn't really understood it deeply enough that they'd done things that, that were silly so oh, again right. i'll have to um i'm going to present this again at rugby so if anyone wants to see what i'm talking about so research ed rugby i'm going to do this let, the me, same session. let me just ask you joe because i'm fascinated by this so you've got all these methods yeah so what are you doing now are you just picking your favorite well, well this is the, the question and this is doing? there is no so basically as far as i know there is no research that says what the the, the best methods are we also don't have a definition of best yes. because there's numerous factors that we can um look at so we can look at is it efficient is it elegant is it intuitive is yeah. it easy to remember is it easy to understand the underlying concept you know yeah. there's a, there's so many things there um also is it as you want to be consistent across teachers in a school yes do you want do you mind if uh different students within your class use different methods yes. and there's all these questions and I don't have the answers to them um what I also know is that I have not found much research on methods like longitudinal studies where we can check um whether mm. um whether students taught to do a highest common factor this way have more success in the long term yes. there's as far as I know there's nothing well, well, let me ask you this well what do you do do you pick one method or do you give them options so I oh it's difficult because say I take on a because I, I normally just teach say GCSE so they might have seen it before so I might take on a year 10 class and they've been taught maybe the Venn method before yep. and I'll say you can do it that way if you want I'm going to show you how I do it and I show ah, them the ladder okay. method yes. and they've given them an option and most of them will take the one that they've just been taught by me because that's the freshest yes, in their mind yes. um, but they do have they do have that other method I don't know whether it overwhelms them to teach them a number yeah, of it's methods tricky, isn't it? I know that in uh, apparently when people went to Shanghai they saw a method where um, the children were shown numerous ways to find a highest common factor. They had a whole lesson discussing it, pulling those methods apart, and then as a class decided which one they were going to use going forward. Oh, wow. So they let the students decide. Now, I don't think that Jeez. happens much in this country. No, I mean, I'm just thinking back to the sheet you showed at the yeah. start with the... Um the addition to the where you have the grid where yeah. they, they could choose all different methods you wouldn't do that would you you wouldn't say let's find the highest common factor i want you to do it using these four methods and then which one's the most well we could do method. i've never done it and i don't know i i am nervous of overloading them with methods yeah, i spoke tricky, i spoke to a teacher at the end who was saying you might want a different method for a different group depending on how strong they yes. are um you might want um she was talking about how you don't want to just show them a method and then get them to, to say, actually, I don't like that one because you need a method to, you need to practice it a lot yes. to really embed it and then yeah, to get the hang yeah, of it. That's very and true. it's the same with teachers. If you show them new methods, they will say, don't like that. I like the way I do it. Yeah. Whereas actually, if they were to, you know, I've had this where um, when someone first showed me grid uh, for, for doing algebraic division at A-level, when someone first showed me the grid method, I was like, no, there's nothing wrong with uh, the long division method. Yeah, yeah. It works fine. Um, and then I tried the grid, <laughs> thought, actually, that's pretty cool. And then I was brave enough to teach yeah, it one year. Yeah, yeah. And now there's no going back. Because once I taught it, I realised that is awesome. Um, but a lot of teachers will be like, why on earth would I go near that when this works that's, fine for so my students? So there's a time issue, but 
both for teachers and for the kids, yeah, right? Yeah, because so you need you, to embed it. You embed yeah. it for yourself, and then you've got to give the kids enough time to yeah, embed it before in. they reject it. Wow. So, so I also um, I talked about sequences, which is fascinating because there was a discussion on Twitter about it last week, which I stayed out of because I knew I was presenting on it this week. <laughs> but the zero term thing. Oh yes. People hate that, but actually, there's a lot of great stuff in zero term. So just term. For, for people who don't know that, just just tell us zero. So term. let's say I had the sequence. 60, 55, 50, etc. So counting down in fives. And I want the nth term. Yep. So first of all, I know it's minus 5n. Yes. Um, and then I need to figure out what the constant is. And I just go up by five. From, yeah. So it was it's 65 in that yeah. case. So you can do it in like a Whereas second. Whereas the other ways, it's a bit tricky because you've got to know your negative numbers and stuff. Yeah, you? you need to write out, if you're doing shifting times tables, which yes, is another popular it. approach, then you have to write out your negative five times table. Yeah. And you need to figure out that what, what do you to... add to minus mm. five. Yeah, so that's That harder. could go wrong with those. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is that, there's um, people say the zero term method doesn't work for quadratic sequences when it does absolutely mm. fine for, it works, it's a really nice quadratic That's sequence method um, people say there's no conceptual understanding there's no links it links brilliantly to finding the y-intercept oh, it's yes. the same thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't. People. So are you pro zeroth term? Are um, you coming out on record? Here? Well, three years ago, I think I saw it for the first time. If I was finding the up term of sequence. I would do zero yeah, term wow. and I can I would do it in a millisecond because it is such a quick <laughs> method, you know, that I don't know why yeah. I would carry on using for me personally, yes. I'm not talking about what I teach, but for me personally, why would I carry on using something slower? It has got a bad name, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, I don't really know. Term. But that's no p- methods get a bad name because teachers are so resistant to change yeah. and and they they have this I don't know you know, the, the things that people say, they're, they're, I don't think their arguments are particularly strong when they, you know, when yes. they have arguments against it, that it doesn't hold for questions. It does. I guess, I guess, now this would be interesting, just, just thinking of this off the top of my head, I guess conceptually it's hard. It's harder to understand why the zeroth term technique works compared to shifting times tables, would you say? Um, mate, well, no, I think conceptually the zeroth term thing is crystal clear because the you have a... You're, you're looking for the you're looking for the value when x is zero or n is zero. I yeah. mean, it's the same as a y-intercept. I don't know. I I, I don't know. But it's the, I think it's that bit you're bringing in there maybe a bit of substitution or whereas mm. with the shifting times tables, once the kids have got their head round that the, the seventh times table is seven n, then it's just what have you done to this yeah. times table? So and yeah, I, just, I, I think conceptually maybe it's easier to convince them why. Yeah. And again, but, this goes back to this classic thing that teachers want what want to do the why yeah. before and the, that's, the how. That's but, great. But Don Stewart has a nice resource where um, he says the zeroth term is you say it's say it's um, sixty five minus five n. That means you start at sixty five. And you count on minus five n times, so ah, so it's like a starting yes, point. Yes, so yes, if we yes. had two plus or two plus three n is our nth term, you mean start at two and then count jump up in threes ah, n times. So you jump up once, uh, yes, and that's yes, your yes, first yes. term. You jump up twice, yes, that's the second yes. term. And so to me, that's, that's really nice. that's yeah, really I like clear. That. I like that. Um, but no, I do I do love. I mean, I I teach a bit of both there. Mm. So I teach shifting times tables with my lovely say year eight class who are really yes. keen and you know then my year 11s who got their exam next week they're doing zero of term. Course, of but course. actually, that doesn't mean that I think. I mean, actually, I like I say, I'm a, quite a fan of zero of term. But don't tell anyone. No. Because oh, people don't like that, and it's such a 
crazy thing they don't like it um but we talked about other methods we talked about using formulae you know at a level we do a plus m minus one d um and we talked about um well i used to do it by a substitution thing which actually now i don't think is very good um (laughs) we talked about and then linking to that we talked about linear graphs and i talked about the how if i gave you the gradient and i gave you a point on the line how you'd find the equation of the Uh, the line so if i said the gradient's four and it goes through the point five eight yeah you know, you could you could do the method where you substitute the x and the y, yes. and, and you try and find c. Yes, yes, and yes. they always say, "How do I find c?" Yes. Like they get they really struggle with yeah. that. You can do the y minus y one equals mx minus yes. x one from a yes. level. Um, and then there are there's other ways where you can, um, which is much more scaffolded, where you get them to think of it like a sequence. So you get them to draw out a table of values. If they know that when x is um, five, y is eight, you fill that in on the table, and then you just count back in the sequence ah, yes, to zero yes um so and again had a few other methods it's there fascinating isn't it yeah and that's the thing is is no one ever i don't know why people don't talk about this no. and why, why we don't spend why there aren't loads of re- research studies on it why it isn't something that is um massively featured in teacher training it's in, i think um, we'll talk about mark McCourt's session at the end but one one thing mark says mark always says i have a go with him on this podcast so i'm going to say something positive for you mark <laughs> and one thing i think um i, th- I think <laughs> i hope i'm attributing this uh, correctly he said that one of the best things that we need for teacher training is just little short videos of three or four different ways to teach each concept yes, in absolutely. mathematics It'd yeah. be, and th- like that seems a no-brainer well, why, yeah, why, do, why I don't know that uh, the subject knowledge that um because the thing is that subject people are so math people who've done maths degrees are so patronized by the idea of subject knowledge because they're like of course i have good subject ah, knowledge i did a maths right, degree okay. but actually they don't know these multiple methods yes, yes, um yes. so actually this sort of subject knowledge development works for every teacher whatever their background um, um, but there is, particularly for very experienced teachers, there can be a real kind of almost um, like a sort of defensive mm-hmm. kind of arrogance yeah, about I, it. I, I, of I like, feel that. St- yep. You know, my method works well, yes. so stay away Absolutely. with all your new ideas. But I'm not suggesting they change. I'm just suggesting know these other methods. Be aware of them. Um, now, this, yeah. this this sounds to me the perfect time for a little plug here, Joe, because <laughs> as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking what the world is desperately needing here is some kind of book. It with the, like with it, these yeah. methods, I mean, yeah. imagine having a book that took, say, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 topics and showed multiple methods for doing it. I mean, that'd be amazing. I think it? that would be amazing. And I think I know just the person to write that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I, yeah, I'm working on I've, I've started I've written, uh, say, three chapters wow. of, of this book, which I don't have a publisher for. I don't have a deadline. So I reckon it'll be about a year because this is hard work. And it's on method. It's on this. It's this on method. Stuff, so right? so for each of those 20 topics that I've chosen, I'm going to write about the methods that I know and the methods that I've found online. And some of them are used in, were used in Victorian times and have now gone. Yes. And some are used in other countries and not used in England. Wow. And I'm going to write about, um, uh, I'm going to explain the methods through examples. Obviously, yes. it's the best way to explain a method on paper. And then I'm going to I'm going to give maybe a bit of opinion, yes, of but, but not massively. I don't want to sort of say what's best and what's not. Um, and then there's going to be all other little treats in the book of things wow. that I, things that I am, um, I'm excited to share. So I've started working on it and it's ridiculous because I want to do I want to write it every yes. minute I have I mean, spare because I'm so into it. I was writing for breakfast this morning and I was um I was writing on the train on the way up here and it's funny because I have all these other things I really love doing like I love doing my blog and I love doing stuff for the MA and but, but this like this is my this is my passion wow. now because I think I've been working for quite I've been my first ever conference session I did was on methods mm. and that was four years ago um 
And so I've, I think I've gathered quite a few over the years. And every time, even in this primary session this morning, I saw something that I thought, actually, I can see it. I can see it. Sometimes I'm inventing my own methods yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I can see a thing there that can come into my book. So because I go to a lot of conferences and I talk to a lot of maths teachers, I do probably know more about this than a lot of people. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be the methods expert. Have you got a t- title yet? It's called A Compendium of Mathematical Methods. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I love wow. the word compendium. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, and I've got, um, I might change that, but at the moment that's the title. And um, um, it's, um, and I'm putting some extracts from old textbooks in that are just delicious stuff. That'll be like, amazing. Really, really I'm, good stuff. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be a bidding war now to, to Yeah, to I don't have a publisher. To yeah. The <laughs> uh, fantastic. Right. Well, um, that brings us to session four. Yes. Was that, that was me. That was, was you. That was you, yeah. Yeah. What, what, did, what did you think of this? Now, you're obliged to say it was all right, right? <laughs> but what, any, did you take anything away from this As one? usual, it was fantastic. You catered very well for the primary and secondary in the audience, which was great. <laughs> um, woman next to me loved it, by was the way. Was she primary? She was primary. Oh, cool. Yeah, she was primary. She didn't like the, we had to do a secondary question. Oh, yeah, the factorising one. Um, She, but so she really, really enjoyed the session. Um, The, um, there were some things I didn't know. Um, So I did not know. This is new that you can filter on um, diagnostic questions by most misconceptions. No, I mean, you've been able to do it from day one, but just just nobody knows about it. I think I use the site. So I know that you can, um, you filter, you know, I filter by topics. Um, and then sometimes it comes up with some stuff at the top that are in Welsh or something, yeah, and I don't want yeah, them there. Um, and yeah. so I, I have used the yeah, filtering, yeah. but obviously maybe maybe I've sorted. Yes. I don't know, but I didn't. I've never seen that, and that's fantastic. So, so you can. The, oh yeah, for the benefit yeah. of listeners, this is uh, I call it plan for error to use a Douglas Mov term. And if you're teaching a particular topic, find that topic on diagnostic questions, and it's by default it's ordered by newest questions. Change that filter to most misconceptions, and you find those troublesome questions that might be a good idea to ask your kids in class. It was yeah. It was interesting because you put up the the question about angles, um, and it, and in the question there was a uh, a forty, and they were yes. and and, it, and you just you just know they're going to do one hundred eighty take away forty, and, and it was and it was wrong, and yes. it was and it, it so yeah, it's really and it's really interesting discussing as a as a department. Um, math teachers sitting around discussing what would the most common misconception That's be and right. why. And those, my, yeah, yeah, my advice was you find a troublesome question, you ask yourself, where do we think kids have gone wrong? And then crucially, what are we going to do about it to make sure our yeah. kids don't make that mistake? And lovely that you were suggesting that you ask students about what they think the misconceptions were and why, um, which is not something I've done before. So that was really interesting. And then you um, oh, you showed us some SSDD problems and I particularly like the one you showed by Maths um, Web. Oh, yes, it's um, the rectangle one. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, so I uh, tweeted that one. I really like that. Also, I like the way that you showed us examples of how teachers are using these in classrooms. Mm. So you showed us pictures from students' books stuck in the middle of the page. That was really nice. nice. Um, So, yeah, that was nice to see actually how in practice they are being used. So that was really good. And then you had your big world premiere big reveal i always like to do them down at these conferences yeah. big reveal it was fantastic so this is as you call it fill the fill the gap or yeah, yeah. F- fill in the gaps fill in the gaps it's it was you. fantastic so you showed us a ratio example and i worked with the primary teacher sitting next to me on this and we found it challenging and got us really talking about things it was it was exactly what you want from a math task so there's it's like a grid where there are different things missing on each line um and it's hard to explain people need yes. to download this and have a look it was really um really great task yeah oh, thanks, absolutely loved it. And this is a new sequence of activities i'm writing i've put on so on the on variation theory.com the world's most controversial website there is fill in the gaps sharing in a ratio mm-hmm. fill in the gaps quadratic graphs and i'll tell you what i think that's the best thing i've ever written in my life quadratic <laughs> graphs that that was 
Um, that is, yeah, now I'm sleep deprived. I'll never reach those dizzy heights again. And um, the second, there's 14 quadratic graphs um, to, to, to sketch. And the idea is, again, as Joe's um, rightly explained, you fill in the missing information, but there's elements of variation in there. So there's relationships between rows that you can then draw the, as a teacher you can draw your students attention to I've also put a factorizing and expanding one on there that, okay. that goes back and forward but I've got a whole host of these up my sleeve and I'm going to be kind of drip feeding them um, over the coming weeks and months um, as and when I try them out so yeah I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad you like that one. it was great yeah, really um, well I reckon what we do now Joe is we you um, mark the court session yeah we, um, we me and Simon talked about this on, on on the podcast it was a repeat but you hadn't seen it before was there was there anything that you took out of it that you wanted to just to um, no, I'll just be really quick because you've because you've covered it before in detail. Um, there, there was lots of great stuff. I mean, his uh, he, yeah, we, he hates starters. It's like, I, and I was saying to you that I don't, I can't picture how he's suggesting a maths lesson should start if he thinks that at this, these kids are all going to arrive and we know they all arrive at different times and mm. they all kind of um, take a little different time to get their pencil case out and stuff like that. And and um, and he and he's suggesting there should be no starter activity. So he's kind of, I guess, he's suggesting that they walk in, sit down, and the teacher says, and now let's look at how we do this. Mm. So, And I find that really alien to me because I have never taught a lesson at any level <laughs> where the, the, the children haven't had some work, some thinking to do in the first five minutes of the lesson. And and I know a lot of teachers are doing retrieval there now and he's saying that retrieval can sit elsewhere. Um, but I normally do a recap of the prior learning or something, some sort of check on prerequisites. If I'm teaching something, I need to know whether they can do the thing I taught them last lesson. So I normally, that's normally how I start the lesson with a little a little a few questions where I need to go around and check and then it helps me with my starting yes. point and he seems to be suggesting this is a bad thing um, and we should just start the teaching and, and I, I find it really hard to picture that working in practice it's interesting because I think I don't want to put words in Mark's mouth and he's coming on the show to, to debate this and many other things okay. it's about this interrupting the, the learning episode yeah which I, and he's not a fan of the lesson being the unit of planning yeah. and all that and yeah. I think there's merit in that but I've I, don't think, as you as you right, rightly say, Joe, we can overlook the importance of starters just on a practical level to yeah. deal with the fact that kids are ready to start the lesson at, at different times. Like they they serve a purpose. For that, for yeah, that, but, but he actually had a good point about that, and he talked about how if you talk to kids in some schools, they will they will suggest that there's this optional bit at the start of the lesson, and they can stroll in during that, and it doesn't matter because ah, they haven't missed anything. Yeah, and that point, that did make me point. think. He said punctuality improves if you remove starters. I the schools I'm in at the moment, I'm not seeing those kids rushing to maths because they know that they'll miss a minute of instruction because they are it. not like that. It's an interesting point. It though, is an interesting point that. that if they're seeing those things as little optional mm. just to keep people busy, mm. then then they're in no rush to get to maths that's, that's interesting, interesting. Um, but yeah I mean I you know I'm, I'm a bit defensive about my stuff so <laughs> um, the um, the other thing that was interesting was about fading oh yes, yes so he's talking about removing steps so he's saying that for example you could demonstrate an equation and maybe there's six steps and then you ask them to do one and it's got six steps so this is he talked about example problem pairs but then he said the next one maybe you'll demonstrate and there's a six step equation but maybe you'll only show the five steps and then yes. obviously they will then do the six and that last one then isn't on your worked example and then you gradually remove steps and they have to remember more and that's quite nice and that's just a nice adaptation of example problem pairs I guess I mean he said to me that he's he's, he's going to tell me 
me why example problem pairs are rubbish. But like he likes them, doesn't he? he yeah, he talked. He, he showed some really interesting. I don't know what, where the research was from. He showed some graphs and yeah, some stats. Yeah, like good for conceptual um, understanding. Yeah, and, and he was talking. Yeah, there, there were definite advantages. He was talking about how just the examples or just the problems or the yes. mixture of example problems. But there were definite advantages to it, and it, and, it, and it was and they were particularly effective for certain for certain purposes. Um. So yeah, he wasn't um against them. The other thing that was interesting was when he's talking about the behave stage of mm, learning yes um, and he's talking about how you teach they do they practice and they behave and it's, he's suggesting there's this two-year uh, maturation gap between the when you teach it mm. and when they have to behave um, and he's talking about how you don't really we didn't understand calculus properly maybe until we're at university yes. it's sort of two year yes. where those ideas really sink in um and and what i was i was talking to mark at the end about how i struggled to see what these the behave tasks look like so i can he's talking about practice tasks having 20 percent new content and 80 percent prior content so he's talking about interleaving there um and i can picture that but I wasn't sure when he said then two years later they can behave like a mathematician with the content you've taught them. I wasn't sure what those tasks would look like. So he's going to send me... Um, he, Hugh um, Burkhart is the absolute expert on this kind oh, of thing. Wow. Okay. So he wrote a paper in 1981, apparently, that Mark's going to send me on this. But Malcolm Swan and Hugh Burkhart on the Shell Centre were making all those behave-like-a-mathematician-type yes. um, tasks. Um, and I suppose and the question is just what do they look like and and how do we, how do we bring them in? Um, so that was really interesting, and, and I'm going to kind of follow up with Mark on that. Fantastic. Superb. And finally, to end, so I, I went to something a bit different here. So I went to uh, a, a one on mindset and kind of well-being. I was in the well-being strand um, and it was delivered by a Felicity King. And I just thought I'm going to end the day with something a bit different, right? <laughs> now, picture this. So I've been to Oliver Caviglioli and he's been right. telling, yeah, thank you. And he's been telling me about the, the two different parts of the brain, the, the uh, phonological loop and the visual spatial sketch pad, the auditory Whoa, and okay, the, yeah. the, the auditory and the uh, image. Well, thank you, Joe. Okay. <laughs> but then I get into this one and we've got three parts to the brain. Right. The heart, the head, and the hands. Oh, that's a bit different. So, yeah, so, right. we're, so we're into this. We're into, again, it's, it's not so much the kind of cognitive science side. It's, it's very much the, the kind of the, the well-being, speaking from experience and so on um, thing. But, I, again, I, I found it interesting. What I, what I particularly took away from it is something we're going to do live here, Joe. Right? Okay, <laughs> so um, this, this is an exercise, and I really enjoyed this. So I've got in my hands here two beer mats. Right. right? So yep. I'm going to give one to you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to do a breathing exercise. Okay. Now, now you can do this at home, everybody. Um, it's called beer mat breathing, right? <laughs> and what we're going to do, we're going to trace our finger. You can pick anything you like. Yeah. And we're going to trace it round the uh, round the beer mat, round the four sides of the beer mat. Okay. okay. Right? And as we go across the top, we are going to breathe in. Then when we go down, we're going to hold that breath in. And then as we go across the bottom, we're going to breathe out. And then we're going to hold. And then we're, as we come back to the top, and then we're going to repeat. Okay, okay, so let's do this three times. Now, you do this at home, everybody, okay? So we're going to breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold, breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold. One more. Breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold. How are you feeling? 
Um, I'm frustrated that my fingers are in the way of me doing a, <laughs> yeah. a proper loop. <laughs> but apart from that, <laughs> that's a continuity but issue. But apart there. from that, you're a changed woman. Now. Um, I'm relaxed. so relaxed. I I'm gonna float home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and it was nice. It's one of those things where I thought every now and again you've just got to take a step back. And I like these little I like these little things. I'm I'm quite into my kind of meditating. I'll tell yeah. you what I do, Joe. Let me let me share this with you to end before oh before we've got to plug a few things actually. Yeah. I'll tell you what I've started doing, especially with, with little Isaac coming along. I've realised I start I need to, life's passing me by, right? Yes. I'm old these days. <laughs> I've got a little lad who's growing up. He's nearly nine weeks now. Life's passed me by. So I downloaded this, um, the five-minute journal. And I'm saying it's the best app. I had to pay four ninety nine for it, which, which isn't, isn't, which isn't, like, isn't like me. But that I've must be down. great. So every morning I wake up and a little notification comes up. And I've got to write down um, three things I'm grateful for. Right. Okay? And then I've got to write three things I'm going to do today to make the day a good day. Aww. So that's how I start my day. Nice. And then at nine o'clock at night, I get a notification through. And I have to do three things. I have to say three things that were amazing about the day. Right. One thing that I could have done to make it a better day. Yeah. And then pick an image from the day. Okay. And I put it on and it stores them all. And it's brilliant. So I've done it every day for, for two to three weeks. I'm still knackered. But it's <laughs> um, just making making sure the day's kind of mean something and, and particularly if i if i've said i'm going to do something in the morning i'm already thinking the app's going to get mad at me at night if so I does it, does it tell you off if you haven't done them or it, it doesn't know no. but in my head i don't want to admit to the app yeah that I've, I've i've let it down and stuff so oh, so yeah my daughter's got a thing called my happy self journal or something and it's a lovely little journal for aimed at like a seven-year-old where oh, she's okay. meant to at the end of the day write some positive stuff from the day and say how... Is that from school? No, I bought her that. She kind of, uh, she gets a little bit anxious and and I don't, and I sort of want to, I just want to give her an opportunity to have an outlet for things that make her anxious. Um, And she used it loads and then she's kind of, she kind of stopped, life gets really busy. And that's that's the thing is that even for a seven-year-old, she's got so much going on. She's going off to brownies and she's going off to classes. Yeah, so I think... um, yeah, this I see. I'm 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 an unusually um, happy person, and I kind of I just get on with things. Whereas whereas my husband uses lots of things yeah, like that, and yeah, he's yeah. very into all that kind of thing. Um, whereas I just get on. But some days, oh, come on, if you've got just you're teaching year nine all day, and then you've got nothing interesting planned in the evening, it must be hard to come up with some. Gotta make great it amazing, things. Joe. You gotta make How it you amazing. Make that amazing. And I'm thinking, as your daughter ruled out one of these beer mats, maybe, <laughs> that, maybe that could be. Maybe that could be. Right before we wrap up, a couple of things we've got to plug. Um, so Joe's book. Um, yeah. is, uh, coming out in a year or so. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll, when Joe's back on, so we'll do a few more conference takeaways this year. We'll, we'll get updates from Joe on that. So we're doing conference takeaways. We're going to do the ATM uh, MA Easter one. We'll, yep. bo- we'll both be at. Um, and MEI. MEI will both be at as yeah. well. So we've, we've got those coming up later in the year. Um, for me, um, if you go onto um, the podcast page, not not the episode page, but my podcast index page, you'll notice it's been reorganised. Oh. So what I've done, because um, the episodes are just sequential, yeah. what I've done instead now is I've got four episodes that you might want to start with. So if right. you're new to the podcast, here are four. Okay. I've then got the conference takeaways together. Mm-hmm. I've then got episodes for everybody. Right. No matter what teacher you are, uh, okay. and then they're kind of mainly maths episodes. Yeah. And then at the bottom, there's an opportunity now to support the podcast in what I'm calling 
by Mr. Barton and Mellow Birds, right? <laughs> because I'm a big fan of Mellow Birds. So now you can become a patro- Patreon, I think it's, uh, is the name of the website, uh, but you'll see the link on the bottom of the show notes page. If you want to make a donation to buy me a Mellow Birds. Mellow Birds is coffee, is that Mellow right? Mellow Birds coffee, yeah, right. legally, I don't think it's defined as coffee because it's so weak and pathetic, oh. but it's, I love it, I love it. It's just, yeah, I, I absolutely love a Mellow Birds. So you can buy me a Mellow Birds nice. via this link. And the final thing we've got to plug is we've come up with a new idea, haven't we, Joe? We have, yeah. So Joe does these topics in topics in depth yep. series of talks that are absolutely fascinating. She does them at maths conferences and, and other things she talks at. And we want to get them out to a wider audience. So we're going to do a podcast series, special podcast series, maybe six in the first season of these. Yeah. Just give us some of the topics we're going to be covering um, Indices, and that's sort of your basic index laws, because yep. we don't want to do right up to fractional or negative, because no. the whole point is we're going in depth. Going so deep. I need, we we're need an deep. hour just on the, yeah. that first bit of it. Uh, we're going to do some angles, got basic angles, angles in parallel lines. They're two separate ones. Wow. Um, I've got one on order operations. Nice. Um, loads of issues with the teaching of that. Like yes, that, yes, that's yes. A, and then I did a recent one on unit conversions. Nice. Um, which um, I did. A, I've done. I've only. I've only delivered that one once. So yeah, that. And we're be... going kind of history. We're going resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going misconceptions, wow. approaches, that kind of stuff. And there's yeah. going to be downloadable material. People can download the presentation and listen to us chat about yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah. It'd be a good idea to have the slides up while we're talking. But yes. there's, um, there's, there's. I have a lot to say on all. Uh, basically, the amount of research I put into each of those, they take me ages. Mm. Um, which means I have a, a lot to say. Okay. And I just think it's. I, I think it's good CPD for oh, teachers yes, because it's, if you're going to be teaching a topic in a couple of weeks and you think, oh, look, I've got angles and parallel lines come up and you listen to that, Absolutely. It, it, you're going to know everything about that topic. Well, we're going big. And the thing is, because we're doing, I mean, it's going to be big this. So we're looking for a sponsor. So if you're out there, you've got to be loaded, right? So we want, <laughs> we're talking big money here. So if you want to sponsor six episodes of this, you could have your name on on what's going to be the most exciting maths podcast <laughs> series the world's ever seen. Joe Morgan's Topic in Depth, Season 1, <laughs> uh, s- series of podcasts, then get in touch. MrBartonMaths at gmail.com and get your wallet out is what I'm saying, what I'm saying for this one. Anyway, Joe, as ever, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the Conference Takeaway podcast. Um, we will be catching up very, very soon. We will. Oh, yeah. And and once again, thank you everybody for listening, and thank you to the organisers of Education North Hans. As Joe knows, as being one uh, one of the uh, the country's leading party planners herself, <laughs> um, putting on an event like this is tough, and to have six hundred people and to pull it off, yeah, um, incredible. Yeah. And thank you to all the speakers who've travelled from all over the show um, to come to this. It's, it's it's just been a good feel good event, yeah, um, and really it's been great. a pleasure for us to be part of it. Um, yeah, we'll be back with some fresh podcasts in the near future. But for now, thank you for listening. Take care and. Bye. Bye for